So welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. Um, I just have a quick question for you, kind of as we launch and dive in. Has anything ever, here's the question, has anything ever changed your life? And I mean, like you've discovered something in your life that has been so, let's call it revolutionary, that it was never the same again. Well, for me, this is one thing. There was this one thing that was absolutely so transformational when I found out about it and put it into practice in my life that everything was different from that moment forward. Things would never be the same. Things were so radically different from everything I had ever known that nothing in my future would be different after this one moment kind of led me down a path and I accepted it and I moved forward. and It was different than anything I had ever known, but nothing was the same for me after this. This was a revolution revolution in my life. When I discovered this, it was revolutionary because, see, there was this one time, there was this guy on TV, and he was giving a message, and it just was encapsulating. Like, I was so excited about what he was saying, and I had never heard it said quite like this before. It was like reaching into, like, the depths of my soul, and I knew that I was going to have to make a decision based on the information that I was hearing. And I'll never forget it because Caitlin and I were sitting on the couch. It's my wife. She's downstairs with preschoolers right now, but we were sitting on the couch, and I knew, I said to Caitlin, I said, this what we're watching right now is transformational, is transformational. It's going to change everything based on what we're seeing. Things are never going to be different in our home again. Things are never going to be different on, in my life again. And Caitlin goes, well, what about a guy who gets on TV and gets a message, gives a message like that? Isn't he trying to get, just get your money? And I said, well, maybe. But what he's saying is so powerful and so radical and so revolutionary that if we do this, what he's saying, I'll gladly give him my money because what I'm seeing, things are going to be so, so different if we go forward and we do this so different than anything we've ever done. That man who was giving that message that I knew had the power and the potential to change my life was the man who invented the scrub daddy. Now, if you don't know what the scrub daddy is, allow me to tell you what the scrub daddy is. So the scrub daddy is a sponge that it is absolutely the most amazing creation that I've ever seen. Let me, he, he was describing these. Let me tell you about this. If you don't have one of these, you will. Like next time you're in Bed Bath & Beyond or like on Amazon, you're going to have one of these. And I know the people who have heard of the Scrub Daddy because they're smiling in this room right now. Right? So the Scrub Daddy, after, like it was revolutionary in my life. Like the Scrub Daddy, here's the deal. The guy said, he's like, if you put like this in ice cold water, it will get so firm and so hard that you can like scrub those pots and pans that never come clean. And it's like a mirror. And it, it works. And then sure enough, like if it gets in really, really hot water, it gets really soft and it's great on all your dishes. And furthermore, do you see the face? Because the face is the moneymaker. Like this is where it's at. See, like you can put spoons in this sponge's mouth, right? And like miraculously, you just like put the sponge through and it is clean. Like you would not believe. But then here, here was the moneymaker. Because if you're like me, and you're in a relationship, and you're trying to figure out your way through this relationship, and dishes are a big part of that relationship. It just, I don't know when they, that started, but it is. And the dishwasher, as I've mentioned, was supposed to improve our relationship, you know, with uh, me and Caitlin's relationship, but it some, in some way made it worse because nobody wants to empty it, right? Well, this, the eyes, though, are where it's at. Do you know that this man invented for the first time ever, you can put your fingers through the eyes and get down in the glass, Right? where you never were able to do that before. And I said to Caitlin, this moment 
is going to change things. And I'm a weirdo. Like, if those of you who know me know I'm a little strange and quirky. Like, and so when that Bed Bath & Beyond coupon comes in the mail, you know, the one that with the 20% off, like, it's like a tractor beam from me to that store because I'm like, I got to get my scrub daddies, right? And this has changed everything in my life. It is revolutionary in my life. Here's, here's the point. Here's the truth. You, something in your life, has probably done something like that. It may not be that sponge, but it might be for you someday when you go get some, right? But here's the deal. We've all probably experienced something like that. And so for the next eight weeks, we're going to take a look at this idea of revolutionary. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at this message that Jesus gave on the side of a mountain that was so revolutionary that it changed everything. That everything that people knew and everything they had done and everything that they had heard and studied was about to change forever. The future was going to be different because of this one message. It caused a revolution and things from this point forward after Jesus gave this message, things would never be the same again. And the message that I'm talking about is the Sermon on the Mount. If you've heard of this before, then you have context for what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, Jesus gave a message on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee one time. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar with that and you're like, where's that at? I would totally encourage you this week to Google that and look, up, look where that was given, the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was this message that was going to be so different and so revolutionary that things were never going to be the same ever again because he was giving this message to a group of ancient Jewish people. These were the people who had recorded the first human interactions between God and man. And the way that these ancient Jewish people came to know God or they would know God better is they had laws to follow. In fact, they had over 600 laws that they had to abide by, 10 commandments on top of that. And when they obeyed those laws, that was the way that they knew God. That was the way they honored God. That was the way they became closer to God, by obeying those laws and putting those principles into practice in their life. But Jesus was about to change all that. See, because they had only done what they have done. And now Jesus is going to come along with a new message a revolutionary message. So imagine these people who had only done these things that they knew what they were doing. Everything was about to be flipped on its head and everything was about to change. And as Jesus started this revolutionary message, he started with talking about these things called beatitudes. And we're going to talk about that today. And if you don't know what that word means, because even I, who had heard it before, I was kind of going back this week and researching, okay, what does that word specifically mean? What context in this circumstance is this word going to be used for the people of the time? Well, beatitudes means supreme blessedness. Basically, Jesus was going to come forward and he was going to say, if you do the things that I'm going to tell you to do in just a few moments, you are going to receive the supreme blessedness of God. Blessings will be poured out upon your life if you do what I'm about to tell you to do. And my question as I read that was, well, who wouldn't want the blessing of God in their life? If God, this all-powerful creator of the universe who's bigger than we could ever grasp or imagine, has blessings to give out, who wouldn't want those in their life? So, of course, I want to find out what Jesus has to say about how to get those. But remember, the only way that people knew that they could be blessed when they were hearing this message was to obey these laws. 
and these principles that were so, so many thousands of years old that they had done for so long. But in Jesus' life, everything Jesus did was new. So he came on the scene to challenge that. See, he challenged the old versus the new, and what he was about to say was going to change everything because it was even in his language, it was even in the way that he spoke to these people as he began this message that was so important because if you know anything about the Ten Commandments and the laws, they were a lot of this. They were a lot of thou shalt not. Don't do it. You shall not do this. Do not act this way. Do not do this. Do not engage in this. You shall not, and then you will be closer to God. Don't do this. It started with a negative. This is a negative word, not. It says, don't do this. You know this. You've read it. You've probably seen it before. But Jesus even flipped the lid on the language that he was using with these people because he said, Jesus immediately started with a positive and not a negative. He immediately starting, started to tell people what you can do versus what you shouldn't do. So now that I've set the whole thing up, I'm going to put the first scripture on the screen. And this might be the most important one for us to understand because it sets the context for the entire message about what he tells you to do if you want to receive the supreme blessedness, the beatitudes, the blessings of God in your life. He lays out what we should do, and it's much different and even, of, even those of us in this room are probably thinking. So let's dive in. In Matthew chapter 5, and if you have a scripture, you can open it, or if you want to use your mobile device or smartphone, and if you don't want to, that's fine. As always, it is on the screens above you and on my screen here to my right. This is what it says. Jesus, remember, positive as he starts out. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For so long, we've interpreted this, or people have said, great, God blesses those who are poverty-stricken or have no money. Well, he might bless them, and they may receive blessings in different ways, but that's not what we think this is talking about. That's not what I think those of, of us in this room are talking about, or me. That's just me personally. That's not what I think that Jesus was talking about. Let me read through this, and then I will explain. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So let's go back. If this doesn't mean poverty-stricken, what does it mean? They realize their need for him. It means that you will be blessed. God's blessings will be upon your life when you realize that you can't do this life on your own. That there is a big God who loves you and comforts you and came to earth in the form of Jesus, who is who he said that he was, and that we can't do this on our own. Therefore, blessed are those, blessed are those who realize their need for him, who realize their need for God, who realize their need for a savior, who realize they can't do this on their own. So, before we go any further in this, because the stuff that Jesus talks about in this message is next to impossible to do. But it's only possible to do with God. What does that look like? What's the practical there? That means that if we're going to be blessed, if we're going to realize our need for him, then we need to say yes to Jesus. 
that it's time to say yes, that I believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. It's not some weird moment, some spiritual moment where you need to come forward. This is just a thing that you do in your own heart and your own mind where you say, yes, I believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. And when you do that, you realize you have a need for him and then you can do so much more. But that's the first step. See, this is actually, we can describe it in a different term. Because I just said a whole bunch of sentences, but there's one word that it boils down to, and here's the word. Humility. Humility in your own life. Realizing that life is not just about you, and that you have a need for God. And then he's going to challenge what your humility looks like to turn your focus outward off of yourself onto other people. So all of the things that I just described were humility. Humility going, it's not about me. I can't do it on my own. I need God to be able to come into my life and help me do this. And then there are other things that I can do that don't seem so impossible. But if we look at this word and we look at the definition of humility, what's it mean? I like to look things up, right? That way we make sure we have it exactly correct. Here's what humility means. The quality or state of not thinking that you are better people or better than other people. This is important because culture tells us, what does culture tell us to do? To build ourselves up emotionally, to build ourselves up financially, to get as much as we can so that we say, you know what, I'm big enough now. I don't need God or I don't need other people. Look at how big I am. Jesus says, no, no, no. You want to be blessed? Be humble. Express humility. Express that you need God and that you're going to turn your love outward toward other people. Because this is what I want you to know about redemption. Taking a position of humility is the first step of redemption. Taking a position of humility is the first thing that you can do as you seek redemption in your life. As Jesus works through your life and as you want to become a new person and to love the people around you as yourself, taking a position of humility is the first step of redemption. Realizing, don't miss this, realizing that you need God and you cannot do it on your own. Therefore, we say, yes, Jesus, we believe you are who you say that you are. But Jesus goes on. He goes, hey, that's just the first thing. That's just the first part. You have to say yes, and now we're going to talk about what you do. Now we're going to talk about how to put this into action. You want to talk about people who receive blessings in their life, the blessings of God? Here is what that's going to look like. He says, continuing on, God blesses those who are what? What we just discussed. Humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. You're going to express humility in your life? You're going to inherit a lot. You're going to be blessed. You're going to inherit the whole earth. And then what he does is so cool. Then he turns it toward other people. Then he turns it toward those around us. Then he turns it outward. He said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Meaning that the people around us who we engage with and the things that we see that are atrocities, the things that we see that we're not happy about and that we don't do, we can't just sit idly back. We have to give ourselves toward other people because we hunger and thirst for justice and then we will be satisfied. But here's what I want you to know because Jesus here, what he does is he stops telling you to just focus on you and then he goes, hey, now go focus on other people. 
So let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about this mentality of humility between you and those around you. Because culture will tell you this, that when you get more stuff, when your house is bigger, when your family is more successful, when you have nicer clothes, when the car you drive is foreign and costs a lot of money, you will find out that, listen, you are successful. And then people, furthermore, people believe this. They believe when they look around at all that stuff, hey, Look at all the blessings in my life. I've been around so many people who have just been successful and they, and they have stuff and they're proud of what they've accomplished. They're business people. And they will say, look at all the blessings in my life. I want to challenge that for a second because I don't actually believe that those necessarily are all blessings. Now, it could be. I'm not saying they're not. But do you know what that is generally if you have done well for yourself and you're kind of pounding your own or you know pounding your own chest and you are proud of what you've done? You're not necessarily blessed. You're just successful. It's not bad. In fact, I encourage you to be successful. Make as much money as you can. Have a big house and a big car and a big life and do those great things and wear whatever you want to wear. Success is a good thing. The scripture lends to success being a good thing. The problem is, is when you confuse you and the success that you have with the blessings of God because they are different. So here's what I want you to know. Don't confuse success and blessings. This is so important for us to understand because blessings are not always those physical things that we can touch and see. They are not always. Now, I'm not saying that they can't be, but you want to be very careful when you go, wow, look at all I've done. Look at how big I've become. Look at the things that I've done in my life and look how much I have. Wow, I am blessed. Yeah, God may have blessed you in some ways to get there, but you are successful because, here's what I want you to know, there's a difference. Because when your life is all about you, you will miss out on blessings because God says, hey, you want to be blessed to the best of your ability? You want to experience many, the most blessings that you can? Don't focus on yourself. Focus on other people. Then, then, then you'll be blessed. When you put others first, you will be blessed. But when all you do is focus on you and try to build your empire, try to say how great you are, and look at how God has blessed me, I don't know how much that lines up. I can't find it. I do know this. When Jesus talks about in this message that those who are blessed hunger and thirst for justice, the justice of other people, they will be blessed. But God, or Jesus continues to go on. He, goes, he continues to go on about other people, which I find to be so interesting for him to kind of start with a place to go, yes, you need to know God and who he is, and that is me. I'm right here, and then we're going to do some things. Here's what he said. He said, God blesses those who are what? Merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Do you know who you can show mercy toward? Others, other people. You are merciful, they will be shown mercy. And I want to stop right here because I like to kind of open the veil a little bit at DHC into my own life. This is one of the things that I struggle with. Be merciful, forgiving quickly, moving on, not holding on to grudges, forgiving others so that you, forgive, you are forgiven as well. But God says, hey, listen, 
You want to be blessed. You want to experience the blessings in your life. This is what you need to do. And then he goes on, God blesses those who heart, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And then he says something that is so applicable to all of us in this day and age that we live and in each of our lives. He says this. He says, God blesses those who do what? Work for peace. 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 For they will be called the children of God. This is why at Downtown Harbor Church, we don't take stances, we build relationships. We sit around and have cups of coffee and we agree to disagree and we pick things apart and we go deeper with people and we want to not sit up here and wave any kind of flag that we are who we you know, claim to be, but we go, no, 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 here's the deal. We don't want to put anybody off, we just have relationships. We do, it, we do our very best to work for peace. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe it's a relationship, Maybe it's a career, maybe it's a church, maybe it's a city, maybe it's a place that isn't peaceful. It's miserable. It is not fun at all. It is horrific on all accounts. That's why Jesus said, hey, you want to be blessed? Work for peace. Work for peace. But here is what drives me so crazy, is that for a long time in my relationship with the local church, I feel like peace hasn't been a priority. That in some way, shape, or form, when we strive for peace, that we are looked down upon, or that we can't be peaceful with each other, or other churches, or other denominations, or other religions, or other cities, or other countries. Why? Because we just can't do that. So in the local church, peace gets a bad rap. And I don't get it, and it makes me mad. Because I just read the words of Jesus, who is who he said that he was, and he claimed to be God's son, who was going to save every one of us. And he said that peace is good, so why does peace get a bad rap, specifically amongst Christians? I don't get it. And I'm just like, man, like, I don't remember Jesus talking about holding a grudge or instigating other people or not striving for peace. So here's what I want you to know. Peace is a good thing. You should strive for it. Jesus talks about our enemies, and we're going to talk about that later in this series. Jesus is very clear about what those who are followers of his should do. So if you hear anyone indicate in any way, shape, or form that this peace is something that we should not strive for, they are wrong. I'm not saying that it's applicable in every single circumstance because there are situations of abuse and situations of neglect that people need to get out of, but anytime you can, anytime that you can strive for peace because this is what Jesus said, God blesses those. You, this is a beatitude. This is a supreme blessing. God blesses those who work for peace for, for they will be called the children of God. For they will be called the children of God. Peace with family members who you don't like, with coworkers who should not have the position they have, with people who are on your Facebook feed who drive you insane, especially in times like the past seven days. Jesus calls us to strive for what? Peace. So if we're part of the Jesus movement, and we're listening to what he says, we have no, no excuse for not striving 
for peace. And the last thing he said on this Beatitudes subject, he said this, which was so powerful. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So if we're going to do what Jesus says, we think that it's right. We think that it's the right thing to do. And what Jesus says is that, hey, at some point, somewhere along the way, because of the way you act, you will be judged. If you talk about him specifically or you just do what he's telling you to do, you will be judged. Someone will call you out on it. Someone will come after you for it. Someone will post about you. You will be judged. You will be persecuted. You will, that's what that word means, mocked, came after. People won't get it while you're doing this. And you know what Jesus said? Because of it, you'll be blessed. When someone comes after you, you will be blessed. Here's what I want you to know. In my life, a couple of years ago, there was an incident that happened to me that was really just damaging for me. And there was this point in time where someone did something they shouldn't have, and it was kind of, it wasn't like public, but my family knew about it, and, and it was just one of these things where this person who we had this quarrel with came to me and asked for forgiveness. And I said, absolutely, 100%. You have my absolute forgiveness. And you know what people who were aware of this situation said to me? I can't believe that you forgave that person. I can't believe that you did that. You shouldn't have. That person wronged you, and you should hold on to it. But you know what Jesus said? You do what's right, you're going to be persecuted. And when that happens, you will be blessed. There will come a point in time, don't miss this, there will come a point in time where you will have to stand for your faith. You will have to stand for what you think is right, you will have to stand for Jesus himself, and then, here's what it says, which is so cool, and because of that, you will be blessed. I read this. I read the words of Jesus. You want to know what I say? How is this even possible? Look at all he just said. I mean, you want to talk about the impossible? I read this, and I'm like, this... This is great stuff. This is, how is this possible? How are we going to do this? How can we even begin to think that this is possible? I'll tell you this. It's possible if you have one thing. It's that one thing we first talked about that allows us to realize that we need God and that we want to turn our love toward others. We need humility. Understanding that this life Every relationship we enter into, our family, our coworkers, here at Downtown Harbor, this life, if we express humility, then we know that life is not about us. Because Jesus, here's what he does when he says this. He says, I am calling you to a higher standard of living. I am calling you to a different way. I am calling you to a way that is almost unachievable. But it's possible if you have humility. It's possible if you understand that you can't do it on your own and you need me in your life. And you humble yourself so that I'll come into it. And then you can do what I've talked about doing. Notice though, nowhere in the context of this text, these beatitudes, does he say that it's going to be easy. I didn't read that in there, did you? He never said it was going to be an easy thing or an easy thing to do, but here's what he did promise. When you do it, you will be blessed. Not successful, 
Blessed. Not rewarded with stuff. Blessed. Have you ever put others first in your life and watched what happened and seen how blessed that you were? Have you seen that? Well, I will tell you something. Once that happens, and you understand what blessings really mean, and you understand how God really blesses you, things will never be different again. So what do you leave with today? What do you do? What do you take from here as you go? Because we always at Downtown Harbor want you to have something that you can put into practice. Here's what I want you to know. Humility should be the center of every person's life. Humbling yourself to say yes to God and then humbling yourself to say yes to serving other people. And Jesus said, do that. You'll be blessed. Trust me. And anyone who knows this and anyone who has experienced this and any single person who understands that this when it happens, you will receive the blessings of God. You never want to live another way again because blessings are amazing. When you invest in the lives of others, the blessings that are poured out upon you, you'll never be able to even ponder what that means until you do it. And you can have humility with Jesus by your let me pray. Dear God, thanks so much for who you are and, and what you do in our life. And we're so just in love with your word and, and you. And God, I'm just so thankful that you um, gave this message so that we could put it into practice. I'm so thankful that you came before us. And you taught these people how to live and it's still recorded so that we can have the same exact information, your word that teaches us how to live if we really want the blessings of God. And Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for humility. We thank you for the decisions that are being made in this room today about loving you and putting others first. May you help us to see them through. May you help us to dive into all of that together as a family here at Downtown Harbor. Let me pray this today all in Jesus' name. Amen.